Welcome to Seed Limits. I'm Kevin. I'm Ann. Well, Ann, it's officially campaign season, and now we know who's going to be on the ballot. We do. I'm going to be on the ballot. You are going to be on the ballot, <laughs> um, but I'm going to do this in order. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so seven candidates for school committee uh, had their signature certified. All three com- committee members uh, whose terms are expiring, and that is Doug Gatro, Emily Lebo, and Courtney Pertios. Mm-hmm. And joining them on the ballot are challengers, Tina Cahill, Ellen Patterson O'Donnell, Liberty Schaff, and Liz Speakman. And then let's just go to the council races, the wards. So there are three, I think, contested races. In Ward 5, incumbent Charles Phelan Jr. and challenger Stephen Christo. In Ward 1, incumbent David McCarthy and challenger Joseph Murphy. And then in Ward 2, incumbent Anthony Andronico, challenger Stephen Pertios. So then we come to the mm-hmm. counselor at large race. Okay, I'm still not saying, can I say I'm, I'm on the ballot? You can say <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, so it was a bit of big news last week. So in the race for the three of counselor uh, large seats, Michael Bellotti, currently the Norfolk County Treasurer, mm-hmm. he took out nomination papers on Tuesday afternoon when they were due, right? Yep, yeah. And then and got them in on time. Yeah. Very dramatically. Yeah. And then... Like a two-hour window. <laughs> yeah. 50 signatures. Yep. <laughs> so he served six years in the State House of Reps, followed by 20 years as the Sheriff of Norfolk County, in a position he left in 2018 to become interim president of Quincy College. And his background was sheriff and a state rep. Yeah, and he somehow became president of Quincy College for, and he kept that for a little over a year, I think. A little over a year. He left us with two point four million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Taxes, taxpayers have to pay. <laughs> yeah, and then he went somewhere else, I think. Didn't he? Yeah, he went to Arca, the South Shore. Okay, and now he is uh, Norfolk County Treasurer. Okay. Yep, and then and now he's running for Council at Large. And then the incumbents, Noel DeBona. Mm-hmm. Nina Liang and mm-hmm. you, Dan Mahoney. Mahoney. <laughs> and then uh, another challenger, William Burke, who's run for a few different things mm-hmm. in the past. So anything, anything you want to say? <laughs> no, just, you know, I, I'm just going to say that I, I will say I am an independent voice um, and it is going to be a challenge this race. So I'm going to ask people to make sure that they pay attention to who they're voting for and make sure you're voting for the where people they stand who, on the issues, where they stand on the issues and make sure you're voting for people who are going to represent you, the taxpayers. You know, it's, it's very important. You know, I welcome people into it's, it's a democratic process. So everybody's welcome. Because but, I know there is one issue, mm-hmm. hotly contested issue mm-hmm. between the mayor and the council was mm-hmm. Quincy college, Quincy college yep. and, um, and the building of a building. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And Treasurer Bellotti mm-hmm. came out with a, an opinion piece in the in the Sun. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he says here. I'm writing today in wholehearted support of Mayor Koch's proposal to acquire a property mm-hmm. that will ultimately lead to the construction of Quincy College's first permanent home. So he's mm-hmm. fully on board. So maybe there's a mayor. I don't know. A little bit involved, maybe trying to change the uh, council. But well, I don't. I, I don't. I. I I That's my opinion. I, it's certainly not my opinion, and I, I I don't know, but I'm certainly I'm certainly aware of the fact that um, Treasurer Bellotti was the president of Quincy College, and and he made individual phone calls to. I got one asking me to support that building, and I really couldn't, and I explained my reasons why, and you know, and, and he understood that, and now he's running for council at large. Yep. So, and I still stand, I still firmly stand that Quincy College is a great asset to the city of Quincy. However, 
81% of our population of the kids that come to this, that go to that school are not from Quincy. And I don't think we should be building a building. Bill. Mm -hmm. So another big story in the paper mm -hmm. uh, is the Quincy Teachers Union. Mm -hmm. um, the headline for the ledger is Quincy Teachers Union, new president slams city in contentious contract negotiations. Yeah. I'll read a bit of this. The new president of the Quincy Education Association is speaking out against the city for refusing to offer any salary increases to teachers for the coming fiscal year, despite having millions in federal relief funds that can be used for this purpose. Mm -hmm. um, in a statement, here's the statement. The city's history of bad labor relations combined with a lack of a fair contract that will allow our schools to attract and retain quality educators could create an unnecessary crisis in our schools, the statement said. Apparently, our elected leaders have made the political decision to reduce the quality of our children's public education by eroding the earning power of educators despite the availability of federal relief funds. Mayor Koch did ever reply. I have had a terrific relationship with all the unions throughout my tenure in office, particularly with uh, the municipal unions, and I've had the support of the QEA in every election so I'm not sure where this is coming from, he said. Um, just the, just uh, one yeah. more thing. The union, the union's contract runs from September 1st to August 31st. The current contract expires next month. And teachers did not receive a raise in fiscal year 2021. Yeah. So there's been a change in leadership at the QEA. And the former QEA president, I think, is now the Quincy Public Schools Human Resource. You can't um, make this stuff up. Yeah, is the Quincy, Quincy Public Schools Human Resource person. So I think the relationships have changed. And that might have changed the dynamics a little bit. But also, we have to remember that, um, you know, I think the police and fire settled their contract with the administration with the 03. And the teachers are, I don't know what the negotiations are, but I know they weren't being offered the same thing at that time. Now, that's where we, that's where they need to get to. I'm not on the school committee. I'm not privy to what the negotiations are. But one of the things that was stated there is that the, we do have pandemic money, $46 million of pandemic money. That can't go to their salaries, Kevin. It can't go to building the budget, but they can go back and give kind of a bonus, let's say, to people who worked on the front lines, both the police, the fire, the teachers, the office administrations that had to be inside City Hall. I mean, that's something that this money can go to if if this administration wanted to. But this administration chooses instead to spend their money on, you know, $15 million for the um, Monroe Building for Quincy College. Yep. And then, um, you know, upwards, a marina. upwards, a marina that's going to be upwards of you know, three or $4 million for a marina. And then a new building on uh, Furnace Brook and... Yep. Uh, Marymount Drive there. Yeah, the the old Verk building. And, you know, it's, it's this administration has stated on podcasts he's going to be using pandemic money for that. So I think that's where maybe the breakdown, yeah. that's where the breakdown's happening with maybe the labor relations. And you might think you have a great relationship with all the people that work for you in the city of Quincy, but when they start seeing this kind of spending happening, it's going to ruffle feathers and it's ruffling taxpayers' feathers too. So this isn't just about the taxpayers, it's about the taxpayers, it's about the people who work in the city. It's about all of us because we're all trying really hard to pull out of this and watching money be spent on buildings and land acquisitions doesn't seem like it's the right thing for pandemic money. Right. And uh, it goes to the heart of the problem. <laughs> and Carrello did say, you know, uh, during the 20, 2020, 2021 uh, school year, mm -hmm. you know, these people worked really, really hard last year. And I think the city does recognize that. So it's disconcerting that they are not acknowledging that. And I know we have, we do have listener mail, folks. <laughs> and we do have one from a teacher that pretty much goes into 
you know, what her job was like during that year. Yeah. And I bumped into a few teachers out in like out of my walks and talks. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like yeah. me and you. We just go on a Zoom meeting, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone is sort of at the same level or knows how to do, use Zoom. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 20 kids in the class, oh, all like, different attention levels. Yeah, I, it, um, I can't even learning, imagine. Learning First modes all, and everything else. And, and the teacher has to somehow cohesively try to teach all of these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. And some of them, you know, in some situations, they were in person too. So then, you know, they, yeah. there was teachers that were doing it online. Then there were teachers that were in the classroom. They were putting themselves in front of in front of potentially the dangers and bringing it home to their own families. Right. So there's, and, and, and it happened, and to be fair, it's, it's going across the board. I mean, that was, that was also happening for the police and the fire. But the contract for the teachers is not settled. And, and it's hard when you know another one is. And that's another problem. Like transparency would be everybody should get at least the same. So I don't know what's happening. I'm not no longer on the school committee. It's just what we're reading in the article. And um, you know, I think a smart thing would be to at least provide everybody, everybody that's up for contract negotiation should be getting the same thing. And you have $46 million you could be giving, for lack of a better term, frontline workers that bonus pay that they deserve. Um, it wouldn't come out, of, it would not be out of the, the 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 annual budget that we have for the city, but you know, it would have been good use. But instead we're buying buildings and yeah. land. <laughs> yeah, and he, he did say- For Mary- projects we never had planned for. <laughs> right, or that the council didn't know about, right? Yeah, well certainly two of the three the council didn't know about and one of the three the council would have voted no if it was, if we were able to, so. Anyway, so the session was out basically. And summer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All acquisitions and, made. And Mayor summer. Koch did say there were teachers who wanted to do it remotely and we allowed them to do that. I appreciate our educators mm-hmm. and all they do, but I always feel like we have bent over backwards for them. Oh, that is a very <laughs> uncomfortable statement. So, yeah. You know, I think it's a, you know, when, when it comes to something like um, with COVID and working together with people, it's about working together with people and to suggest that you know, that they've done more, done more for some people. It's just, it's, it's, it's unnerving. And I know that um, it does say that the butted head several times. And one thing was about uh, air quality. Mm-hmm. And I know COVID money is supposed to be used for that. Has, is every school have? Believe in the last round of COVID money, they did use a lot of that money to update the filtering systems within the school system. Now, whether or not that's all accurately done, I'm not sure. So I don't know. Um, I, I can't say accurately that all the, the buildings were done accurately. I believe they hired contractors to go in to do that. But again, you know, I t- sometimes struggle with some of the things that I'm told because you know, the head of the planning department didn't, um, the building department didn't even know his own building was having problems. So so we'll have to hope that those are that the air quality is good in the schools. But again, I'm not on the school committee. They're going to be having executive session. They'll be going to negotiation. And I just hope that, you know, that they at least get the same as what other other unions are getting in the city. Right. And what are those? Do you remember? The police and the fire settled with zero three. They had the same same situation. So they didn't get anything for the year of COVID and they got a 3% raise this coming year. And again, you know, if this administration really wants to show good faith, maybe there'll be money from the $46 million that would be considered for those that put themselves in the front lines like that. Yeah, instead of the shopping for buildings and redecorating. Mm-hmm. I just think it's I think it's really it's it's just not in the best interest. Okay, so as we mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. we do have listener mail. Okay, I'm like I'm excited. And we have <laughs> quite a bit of it actually. Well, not well, we have some big letters, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I alluded to was um, this is from Deb, uh, a teacher. Okay. Do my best to read this. Mm-hmm. Having been out of school for over a month, one would think I should have had time to recover from the past school year. To be honest, I am not sure that any amount of time will ever be enough to recover from the emotional roller coaster that was 2020 2021 school year. 
The truth is, teachers were asked to do the impossible, all while constantly being attacked on social media by angry parents and politicians. Maybe it's because I'm a mom of three kids in elementary school myself that I can see the line more clearly, but so many of these harsh comments and criticisms led to a permanent damage in relationships. Mm -hmm. I can honestly say that my soul was crushed this past year. Last year was my 12th year teaching. All summer long, I anxiously followed the news and the CDC guidelines waiting to learn about what the school year would look like. The fact of the matter is I learned just a week before school what my role would be this year, leaving hardly any time to plan. This is not really anyone's fault as the guidelines were constantly changing and the rules and the positions would continue to change all year. I teach an early elementary grade and I learned I would be teaching both in person and remote though not simultaneously. Teaching in multiple models led to an abundance of planning as none of the lessons and materials planned for in-person learning appropriately translated to remote learning. Well, so it's Q- like having two jobs, I yeah. mean, seriously. <laughs> well, QPS worked hard to provide us with that, with the rubrics and, the, and websites and online teaching, nothing could have prepared me for the past school year. Keeping 26-year-olds engaged in an online learning model takes a, takes far more effort and endurance than anything I have ever done. I spent countless hours prepping interactive lessons, mm-hmm. researching learning models, and spent thousands, yes, thousands of my own dollars on online curriculum materials as there were just none available. I miss sporting events, tucking my kids into bed, and family dinners because the amount of time and energy that was required to make Last year's successful was immense. I won't go into the number of days I cried, threw my hands off, and, and wondered how I would ever do it another time. But I did. We all did. Our love of our students and our commitment to ensuring a quality education despite all the challenges we had lying in front of us kept us going. But I am tired, tired to my core. I am mm-hmm. lucky to have such an incredible principal who supports his staff every step of the way. He is our biggest cheerleader and incredible advocate. I am not sure what next year has in store for us, but we will be there rising to the challenge. Yeah, see, that's that's hard. I mean, that's that's from the heart and soul that teacher was just giving yeah. us that. And I think sometimes people forget. You know, I, I realize, you know, you choose to be a teacher. It's a job. Just we all have jobs, but it's a hard job on a good day. Yeah. And then you you add a pandemic to it and it just became almost impossible yet. Those teachers came in every single day and they do. It's challenging. It's challenging for the kids and it's challenging for the teachers and for the families. And quite honestly, I think if you'd multiply that by the 900 teachers plus that we have in the city of Quincy, I bet you there's a million more stories like that. Right. And and maybe we'll get to some of those mm-hmm. during the summer. So this next letter, changing mm-hmm. gears a little bit, mm-hmm. quite a bit actually. Um, this is from Maggie. Uh, no more development in flood zones. <laughs> Teresa Debona was in her kitchen when she saw her boat float by outside the window. Minutes later, her house neck home was surrounded by nearly six feet of water and the tide was still rising. The stench of nat- natural gas filled the air. I dressed my eight-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter in snowsuits and boots to protect them as much as I could, Debona recalls. I thought I could get them out safely by swimming them to the hill behind me, a raised road neighbors called the berm. I was worried about my el- my two elderly neighbors, but I knew I could not go back. That was March 2nd, 2018. Now the owner of the house across the street from, the, from DeBono wants to construct a new two-unit residence up against the berm where a yard and shed now stand. 
The proposal would likely involve the removal of several trees, which help reduce flooding, and DeBona worries that the construction could damage a massive and antiquated sewer pipe that runs beneath the berm. That, that sewer pipe is 125 years old, Kevin, <laughs> and it services about 30 different towns. So it's very, it's very real what they're talking about. Yep. And, but what most concerns some folks, including a concerned citizen and civil engineer, is the idea that any new construction in a flood zone means more people who will be at risk in the event of another big storm. More than 150 Quincy households had to be evacuated during the 2018 Nor'easter. Mm -hmm. And thanks to rising sea levels, coastal floods are only going to get more frequent over time. We really shouldn't be adding people. It's a highly flood-prone area. It's just more people to rescue. Mm -hmm. That's very true. I mean, we we are just also finishing up, I think, the seawall. They're working on the seawall down there. And I think even Council McCarthy was just recently on QATV talking about it. And the water on a high, just a, just a full moon is coming over the two, they've added two feet to the seawall. Yeah, and the water's coming, coming over. over, coming over. And they could have gone as high as four feet, but they only went two feet. So we already, you know, we're, this is on just a full moon, not a, not a, you know. Not a hundred year storm, storm. which yeah, is every 10 years. Yeah, exactly. So it's a concern. These are real concerns for real people. Yeah. And then the engineer went on to say, that's why I believe a request to build the property at 15 Jewish Street, as well as any occupied development in a flood zone should be denied by the city's conservation commission, which oversees such requests. I also believe the city should buy flood zone properties mm -hmm. when they become available and level any houses on them. That's probably what it's coming to. We don't need to put more people in harm's way. And then um, I guess, in fact, a plan is already underway for the city to buy a property in the area. I don't know what, area, what 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 property in the area that they're talking about, but I do know the Army Corps of Engineers is looking at the is looking at the pipe that runs through the berm and potentially opening up um, the Willow Marsh. Right. So the letter went on. So we have, on one hand, a property owner who wants to build a two-unit building, and on the other hand, the fact that the property is in a flood zone that only three years ago was under eight feet of water, forming dramatic rescues by the city and National Guard, next to an unhealthy marsh that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in the city want to restore with tidal uh, saltwater flows, probably buying up land in the area to flood up against a hill, housing a massive sore pipe that is more than a century old and sensitive to damage from construction vibration. Mm -hmm. The solution seems clear. The Conservation Commission should reject the building request at 15 Jewett Street. And then um, they're asking, and, and they need help. So if you agree, please attend the commission's next meeting. That's on August 4th at 5.30. And we can leave the uh, the Zoom address in the in the notes. I think if it passes on August 4th, too, they're going to be right at zoning next. So I think people, anybody who's, who's thinking overdevelopment is a problem, join the Zoom meeting. And they're going to be Zoom. So join and, and be a participant in these conversations because it's the only way that we can actually hopefully take control. I just want to say one thing. The Army Corps of Engineers did have a meeting. I didn't attend it. It was on July 15th. I didn't even know about it. And neither did these neighbors who, by the way, are in the neighborhood of where they're going to flood. So it's it's unnerving to me that we're going to be having something at the Conservation Committee that they could say yes to and less than 100 yards down the other way they could be flooding a marsh that could impact this whole neighborhood. So it's, it's really the fact that there's multiple things going on and we're not connecting the dots in the city of Quincy. And it's concerning to me because we could be saying yes to somebody and then they could put millions of dollars into that project. And in you know two years time, they could be leveling that house. I, right. I'm not saying that's what they're gonna do. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's something we should be really looking at. Yep. And then this last uh, short one, again, with the, the overdevelopment, this is from Sue. 
I am so done with overdevelopment in the city. There seems to be such a disregard for the wants of the average citizen and taxpayers. If you have money and are a developer with deep pockets, you have carte blanche to do whatever you want. Massive apartment complexes that are going up, especially now in North Quincy, are strangling the streets and ruining the neighborhoods that surround these monstrosities. Renters come and go, usually don't vote, and that is exactly what the current administration wants. There seems to be a lot of those kind of, we get a lot of those kind of letters. And, and I think the mayor has a, a reply for those people. So. I think so too. And I know that there's some probably naysayers out there. There we go. So it goes to the city, building more apartments. <laughs> um, I think they sound just like that too. When I read it on Facebook, <laughs> that's how it rings in my ear. Yeah, I think this is where I, this is where it can be frustrating. So, you know, people have a right to have their concerns. And they obviously have concerns because we're not, they're not being privy to the conversations of what's happening. So, you know, when they say things like, you know, you're not going to be able to make people happy, maybe we should be doing a little bit more advocacy about being able to put the plans online so that people can see them ahead of time. They can have real discussions, not go into meetings blindly and find out what's happening and not be able to defend their neighborhoods. And, you know, if we're really going to be a city that wants to grow and be on the move, then we need to be a city that's gonna actually communicate to the residents what we're doing and really listen to them so that we can actually build a city that we can all live and cohabitate in. And we can do that by having those kind of conversations and sharing that information up front and not mocking people. Yeah, mocking them doesn't seem to be appropriate for the office. No, it's, I think more importantly is, it, I think we're forgetting that people are entitled to, it's, it's, the, the homes are, their, are your biggest investment. For most, the most part, the only the only big large real estate investment most people are going to have is their their individual home, right? And then we have developers who are coming in that are just developing everywhere, and the individual homeowners are not feeling like they have a voice in their own community. And you know, gone are the days where people were encouraged to to participate. And if you do participate and you don't agree, I guess then you get mocked. I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I don't. I just think it's it's unfortunate because there's a lot of worry in the city of Quincy that our neighborhoods, the very pride and joy of what we have, are being um, are being lost yep. in the shuffle. Right. So that does it for listener mail. Mm-hmm. And then we do have an announcement. We do. Um, so our friends at Wollaston Hill Neighborhood Association are having their Saturdays in the Park series mm-hmm. again. And the first one is this Saturday, August 7th, from 3 to 8 p.m. Uh, it's free admission. There is music this week. It's... Up the Downs, which is the main act at 5.30. The Sprints, a Quincy band, are opening at 4 o'clock. Food is a cookout with Craig's Cafe. Um, And desserts are by Baby Cakes, which is right across the street. Mm -hmm. And this is Safford Park, in case you don't know where it is. Right. Diagonally across from Wollaston School. Yep. If you know where baby cakes is, right across the street. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting your birthday baby cakes Um, right across the street. It's a lot of fun. It's a nice little park. They have they have great events that are happening. This is a summer summer series. This is the most important part, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, (laughs) They do have a craft beer garden. They do. They do. And uh, this week on tap, (laughs) I got a little preview. So they're going to have a beer. Did they give that to you because you they knew you were going to be announcing (laughs) this? You know, uh, Newburyport Brewing, uh, Plum Island, Belgian. There is two uh, somewhat local breweries, uh, Widowmaker and Braintree. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be having an IPA. They don't know what that is at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, my personal favorite, Vitamin C. Um, that is one of your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then they will have beer from Athletic Brewing, Run Wild IPA, Upside Dawn, Golden Ale, Free Wave Hazy IPA, and a couple others. And they will have the uh, staple Bud Light also. And I just want to thank them ahead of time because I'll be campaigning all day (laughs) and I know I will be meeting up with Kevin and that's where he'll be having his dinner, (laughs) his beer. (laughs) So thank you very much. So yeah, we'll be there. And I I, I look forward to it. I actually look forward. I I actually enjoy campaigning. I look forward to talking to people. And I will check in and uh, get an updated tap list (laughs) for the next week and and announce the the upcoming bands. Perfect. It'll be a great time, and hopefully the weather cooperates. Absolutely, and I will be seeing everybody on the trails, Right, and I look forward to it. All right, so that does it. We'll see you again on... City Limits. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Have a great week.